it starts with What's up? It's me, your boy, Alex. I'm here out of my home state, out of my home time zone in the sweet, sweet city of Austin, Texas for a wedding, um, which is, is not why I sound annoyed. The reason I sound annoyed is because they got married on a Friday. Um, and for those of you who are thinking about getting married on a a weekday as in not Saturday or Sunday think again just reconsider I don't care how much money you're gonna save by getting married on a Friday versus a Saturday or Sunday um, I, it's not worth it to me um, but here I am still supporting my wife it's her family and all their godforsaken friends so um, here I am in the hotel room by myself while she's chilling with uh, at the the groom and the bride's house because they had honeymoon plans with all the who cares and uh her stepdad is like the the one guy i've been talking to a lot since i've been here and he does he's not feeling well not going so i'm like well who am i going to talk to so this i talked to my people people who listen to this uh godforsaken podcast and uh i really and i want to say something about the intro music i chose because uh, sometimes I don't put intro music. Sometimes I do. It just kind of, if I remember, if I feel in the, like like a vibe or something. But uh, the lead singer of Linkin Park, which is you know the band who made the song uh, called In the End, which is what that first part is. And uh, the lead singer committed suicide a few years ago. And it's, I can't remember his full name, but I think his first name was Chester. Um, but the, the guy who does most of the, the singing, or I guess you'd call it rapping in the song, um, I can't remember. He's a, I think he had a, he split off into his own thing and he was something minor. I can't remember. These are things I should look up before I start talking, but I can't be bothered. And he had, he was doing a, a festival. He was doing a performance, probably singing his own stuff. But then he sat and did this kind of long spiel about Chester and how much he meant to people and his music and stuff. And it really got to me. And, and then he's, he did uh, a rendition of, uh, of that song. Um, just Chester's part though, which I, which I really enjoyed. And so if, if you have any free time at all, which I know you do, don't lie to me. Uh, I, I would check that out a hundred percent. So I just want to start off the podcast with, I mean, it's a little negative because, you know, the guy died, but positive in the way that, you know, he left an imprint on, and it's not like Linkin Park just had the one song. They, I like a lot of their music all the way from the first album they released in like the 90, like 1999 or something, all the way through tra the Transformer song and all that stuff. I, I, I love their music. I love the um, mashup between, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, numb i think and jay-z i could be wrong with that but just look up like lincoln park jay-z i think they, they did a couple uh mashups together and that was the that was really really good um i felt like it was it's just a good i love the creativity that it showed between the two artists you know to to push together two genres and make it sound like good and i think if you're just a a really hardcore rap guy and you only like jay-z music or something you would enjoy it. and if you only really enjoy lincoln park you would also enjoy it and i think that's very special it doesn't happen doesn't happen often so i want to show i want to give props to, to to the band i don't usually do that because most of the time i pick like uh good beats from rap songs about from people who 
are not talented and and uh the only reason i listen to the song or know about is because it has a good beat it slaps you know um but so for this one it's going to be a little political um but it's hard for me not to when everything is political i just want to talk more about um basic biology and, and science and truth and uh and, and fact and, and and the way human beings have lived their lives and, and how society has been created and and uh has been built on this foundation for thousands of years and you you could ask yourself well what foundation is that and you may disagree there are other foundations but i think you could really 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 far down at the bottom of humanity is understanding that men and women are different um, i know that sounds crazy it is crazy 20 years ago 10 years ago it would have been uh, a very unpopular thing to politically align yourself with but nowadays not so much it's very mainstream with the uh, with with people who vote blue so uh i just wanted to go through this website that i, that I found it was funny well first i want to talk about something that's kind of even it's not funny it's kind of ridiculous and i, I believe it happened a couple of years ago for some reason i thought it happened recently um but i think it was a few years ago there's this mma fighter called fallon fox right big deal right no who who cares who cares about mma it's not my main audience the only thing is is that it's a transgender man fighting or a transgender woman sorry i want to i want to say man because that's what he is transgender woman which means he used to be a dude is now a girl fighting in the women's mma league because that sounds like a good idea and uh so here's the story um it's a website sports Kita. i think they deal a lot in mma fighting and it said uh Fallon fox is the first mma fighter to come out as transgender wow so brave um and then yeah so this is the first time this is not the first time she's done this but once and she once fractured the skull of her opponent in an mma fight in 2014 she was challenging tamika brents at the cccw which is who cares no one no one cares what it stands for uh where the 45 year old fighter brutally defeated her american opponent the fast the fast the fight lasted just over two minutes after the referee had to stop it um, which is not a very long time in an MMA, MMA fight. Uh, Brents, which is the person Fallon Fox was fighting against, and I use air quotes because, I mean, it's a full-blown, gone through puberty, has had testosterone in his system for decades, uh, dude beating up a woman on TV, and nothing's going to happen to this person. So Brent received multiple staples to her head. She suffered a concussion, which isn't very surprising. I mean, it's MMA fighting. Um, but she was overpowered and beaten to the extent that her, an orbital bone, which I believe orbital bone in your skull is like around your eye, uh, was fractured in her skull. So she, she cracked this girl's skull open. And so and I, and I went to a website called Bloody Yellow, it is an SB Nation thing for MMA and Uf UFC news. But there's this doctor, Ramona Krutzik. Um, she's an endocr endocrinologist. See, I have to say it slow. Otherwise, I sound um, 
like I have the IQ of 12. So um, he's going to, he, this, well, it's Ramona. So I'm going to say that she's going to weigh in uh, on what advantages this transgender quote unquote female fighter, Fallon Fox, may have over opponents. This was back in 2013. Let's see how many of these things can be, uh, duh. And I'm not, and I'm not saying everything that Ramona says correctly because she kind of sets the the standard here, saying gender is more of an identity. It's how you identify yourself. Sex is multi layered. Um, I think there is a pretty heavy. Um, I'm not, and I understand the argument. I understand all the talking points about what gender and sex are. But gender is closely related to your sex. It's very, it, I mean, I would say near impossible for you to identify as a different gender than what your sex what is. So sex is multilayered, you know, chromosomally, what are you? Hormonally, what are you? And then gender is how you identify yourself. Uh, whatever. So she, she doesn't get that right, but she talks about different um, different parts of what would be different for, for Fallon Fox doing this. So the first is bone density. And apparently estrogen, which is typically associated with women, actually causes bone growth and, and stronger bones. And she, she, she goes on to say that when men um, have low testosterone, because in men men's bodies, Testosterone gets converted into estrogen and allows them to have stronger bones. Um, when men go on hormonal blockers for other health concerns, they typically get osteoporosis, which is like a softening, a weakening of your bones. But they're not getting estrogen. But she's saying Fallon Fox uh, is a man who had hormonal blockers to block testosterone, but is now taking extra estrogen, more than what? she would have been developing probably naturally on her own. So um, she wouldn't lose a lot of bone density compared to your average man. In fact, she may have more because she's supplementing herself with a lot of estrogen. Um, it says typically you're looking at about 15 years after an androgen suppression and SRS to really start to see significant changes in bone density. Um, but she's, I mean, she just recently decided to do this. Um, and then it goes on to muscle mass. And, uh, I like this part. It says that men are completely developed by the age of 22 and she, which I, I mean, it's cool. You want to call her she, that's fine. Didn't start her therapy until several years later. So multiple decades. Lot, I mean, not, I guess not decades, but I don't know if, if if little boys who are six have more testosterone than girls at six. I, I'm not an expert, um, but let's just say you know from 13 to several years later, 25, 26. I mean, that's a lot of time of being just surrounded by testosterone. And she had was working out and fighting as a man before. So, and it says she has the potential to be significantly stronger because her muscle development reached several years beyond full maturity, giving her the potential to be a lot stronger than other age matched women. I would even say women in general. Um, 
They say when you see female bodybuilders, the ones that have built large amounts of muscle mass, they don't achieve that without androgen supplements, right? They have to they have to roll it up a little bit because it's just not possible. Women just do not have the, the, the ability to produce the same muscle mass that men do. So that's a quote from the doctor. Um, imprinting. Something that has to be considered is called imprinting of the brain. Male imprinting happens with testosterone during development. If no testosterone is present, you tend to have a female brain. And then, makes sense, um, developing fetuses and having that have testosterone have male imprinting of the brain. It does not go away after androgen suppression and sex change th surgery. It is a permanent imprint on the brain as a fetus as you, when you're born. Someone that has had male imprinting could have the potential for more aggression or more aggressive type behavior than a female, which is, I mean, if you listen to Jordan Peterson and you Google any of this stuff for yourself, it's very, very, very true that women are more agreeable and are less likely and are, are, are more likely to avoid conflict than men are. It's just a fact, right? Who are, who dominates what gender, or I guess I should say what sex dominates in prisons? Men. Who commit most violent crime? Men. So those are the people who are who are more aggressive. And I, there's a quote from Jordan Peterson that said that if you were to take uh, an, just a random man and a random woman, and you were to guess that the woman was more aggressive and less agreeable than the man, you'd be wrong 60% of the time. And there's another thing he said, I think it was on Joe Rogan's podcast, but he said it in, in lectures and, and things like that, that uh, for, for as a man, for you to be more agreeable than the 50%, the, the median female, you'd have to be more agreeable than over 80% of men, which is insane. Which just, I just, it, it's insane to me that someone can get away with this, that we have true equality now. We finally have, we've reached the summit of equality that we, we, we now have given men the right and the ability legally, and, and people will cheer and be fans of this person, to beat up another woman. Um, Joe Rogan has a quote that says, if you take Brock Lesnar and cut off his penis, put him in a dress, he will destroy the women's heavy rate, heavyweight division like you've never seen because at the end of the day, it's still Brock Lesnar. Uh, another quote I, I heard, and, I, and I'm going to uh, give credit because I don't want to steal it, but Greg Gutfeld said that if you take the engine of a Mercedes and put it in a Toyota, it's still a Toyota. So that leads me into this website called Boys vs. Women. And you're like, what does this mean? What it does is it takes boys in track and field and in swimming, and it sees, and then it takes, so it takes 2016 high school boys at the MBNO, which is the New Balance, uh, what is it, what is it called? The MBO is New Balance, something outside? I can't remember, or maybe it's not, but, um, oh, out, Outdoor Nationals, That that's what the, or, National Outdoor Finalists. So 2016 high school boy outdoor finalists in 2016. So anywhere from age 18 and under. And then versus the 2016 Olympic 
women's finalists where uh, compare the two, you know, who would, who would win, who would actually get gold if they race each other. So we can go through some of these races. So the hundred meters between boys and women, boys dominate. Um, they take first through eighth, 200 meters, same result. Uh, it says that none of the women's final performances met the qualifying time to enter the boys' competition. So these women could not even enter the competition. 400 and 800 meters are the same. How about 5,000 meters? We've got some, we've got first through third are women, fourth and fifth are boys, eighth through 13th, boys. The 400 meter hurdles, uh, all, all boys, first through eighth, and, that, and that's with a higher hurdle to clear. Men, you know, I, I don't understand if, if men and women are the same, so much so that a man can become a woman, then why in track and field events, some events like hurdles, males have to clear a hurdle that is three feet, three inches, where women have to clear a hurdle that is two feet, six inches. Doesn't matter. They wouldn't even qualify. The four by 100 meter relay, uh, boys take first and second, and then fifth through seventh. Um, you get a bronze medal there for a woman. Four by 400 meter, it's all boys, first through eighth. So it's like, again, uh, no woman would qualify. Uh, the long jump, first through fourth, boys. And then it's kind of like every other sixth, eighth, tenth, and eleventh would be boys. The triple jump, you have you know, first place would be a, a boy, third, fourth, sixth, seventh would be men. Everybody else wouldn't qualify. High jump. And I remind you, I'm, I'm going to remind you who I'm comparing. I'm comparing women Olympic athletes, top of the game, best of the best for their gender, sex, whatever. And comparing them to 2016 high school boys at this basically the same kind of le level. Um, I mean, let's, we, we can Google that MBNO, um, which I don't think. Yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure it's the, the New Balance Nationals Outdoor 2016 event. That's that's what I think it is. Um, someone correct me if I'm wrong uh, somehow. Uh, high jump, all men. Pole vault, first through fourth. I see. I say men. These are boys. First through fourth, boys. Shot put, same thing. Women throw a shot put ball that's 8.8 .8 pounds. Men throw a ball that's 12 pounds. And the difference in first through fourth, all boys, the distance between first and second for boys is 0 0.06 meters. The distance between first and fifth, the first woman, is uh, about a meter and a half. Just giving you an idea, throwing something that's almost you know, around three pounds heavier. So at the end, we take track and field, we count out the medals. Boys won every single medal except for one gold, two silvers, and two bronze. You're like, wow, that's kind of interesting, kind of crazy. Um, when you move on to swimming, it gets worse. I'm not going to go through each one. We'll just go down to the end and see the medal breakdown, and that'll just give you the idea. And so there's, um, I'll just read some of the, I'll read the events so you have an idea of how many they counted. 
the 50 meter freestyle, 100 meter freestyle, 200 meter freestyle, 400 meter freestyle, 800 meter freestyle, the 100 meter backstroke, backstroke, 100 meter meter breaststroke, and then 200 meter breaststroke. You get the idea. It's like probably 10 events. Uh, the only medal that a woman was able to achieve was a bronze. And that, what, what race was that? Let's see. Uh, this one, the 800 meter freestyle. So the top women's time set a new women's world record. However, two boys who were first and second, they're aged 16 and 17 and they beat it. So that's pretty insane. Now what's even more insane. And then I'm going to give my own take on this because I'm just reading basically from the website to you, which you can do on your own, um, is world records. So these are male high school athletes versus the world's best female athletes. We're talking about boys, so they're not men, boys versus females. So how many world records would a woman have over a boy? And I'll read you the ages of some of these. The 100 meter event. The world record for a woman is 10.49. Uh, the boys' world record, 10.2, and he's 15. Uh, there are maybe 20 listed events here, and the only one that a woman has a better time is in the marathon by three seconds. Uh, literally every other event, the world record is held by either a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old over the best woman that you could find in the world. So my point is with this website, that's funny, but accurate. You can look all this stuff up on your own. I mean, it's not like, it, and also it's not like it's not common sense. I mean, if you were to look up uh, who, who the, the world squat record or the world bench press record or the world anything to do with strength record right like like with the shot put uh, um, the disc throw all kinds of stuff javelin um, it is heavily heavily dominated if not universally down dominated by men and I and this is all leading up to my thesis is that men and women are different I'm not saying what I am saying is that men, when it comes to the athletic competition, men at the top, I'm not saying that there, are, there aren't women that could beat me in a race. All of the women I just talked about on the website could absolutely smoke me in a race. You think I'm running 100, the 100 meter dash in 1049 or something like that? Uh, no, I don't think so. But what I am saying is that even boys who haven't even hit 18 yet, who haven't even fully developed yet, at the peak of, of their game, training for these events, will beat grown women. So I'm saying men and women are different, but not in a, like a bad way. It's just that they're different. Just like I would say, when it comes to raising a child, which is way more impressive than how fast you can run a hundred meters, women are better at, that's why women get custody. 
because women are just better at that kind of stuff. And when you look at career choices and career paths, engineers, scientists, and, 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 and really high-level business people who work 70, 80 plus hours a week, who work nonstop and are generally unhappy with their family, that's why they stay at work so long, those are dominated by men. But when you look at jobs that deal with face-to-face -face interaction, nurturing, taking care of people, um, showing people love, dominated by women, nursing, hunt, women galore, uh, physicians of all kinds, women, um, the whole field of psychology is mostly women, like 80% women. Um, I, seriously, like if you go to college and you want your degree to be in psychology, you're going to be the minority in all your classes if you're a dude. And, and, and none of these are, are, I'm not trying to make some sort of qualitative statement. I'm just stating fact. This is how it is. That, and even in societies where they try to make it as balanced and as equal as possible, the differences get greater. Because women and men are different. I just read you an article where he's talking about imprinting that your brain from the minute you're born is different. You have different tendencies. We're, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is a rule for everybody. There is not, there is no generality that I could make that would apply to every single person in the world. What I am saying is that there is a generality that applies to 90 to 95% of the world that not just because I'm tall or anything, but because I've played a lot and I'm bigger, stronger than the average woman, that if I were to play a game of, you know, pick up to 11, one by two against any woman randomly picked in, in my, you know, locality, I would beat them 11 to zero every time because I'm bigger, stronger, and also taller. And just better too. But if you were to say, uh, you know, nurture this kid for me, or make a home, or uh, make me feel better, show me how you know, show show me what it means to be loved and cared for, and show me what it means to to uh, build me up. You know, like that's a woman. That's what a women are going to do. Yeah, sure, I can beat you at basketball, but I can't. I can't build home like. Like if when I live alone, like go to a single guy's apartment. Generally, a mess, disgusting. A teenager's room, man, male room, disgusting. I mean, there are some women that are also disgusting, but they get less and less so, and they're way more worried about it than men are. Men, they're like, "Hey, it's my place. Get over it." Uh, not so much for women. And. Something that Jordan Peterson likes to talk about is a hierarchical. See, this is my my twelve IQ showing. There's a hierarchy hierarchy of dominance that is repeated in several species of animals, and he uses lobsters because they've been around for you know almost at most like six hundred million years. They predate trees, and serotonin levels usually dictate who's more dominant and who's more aggressive and who wins most of the fights and be able to mate. And he said it's interesting that 
most antidepressants work the same way by boosting your serotonin levels. My main point, like I said before, is my main thesis, and I'm going to say this and then I'm going to move on to uh, kind of jumping off of that thesis into more of what is happening common day, uh, is that men and women are different and that men cannot become women because it's, that is A, impossible, but even the notion of it is should be offensive to women and that a woman cannot be a man. And the reason I'm not offended by that is because who what what women are like dying to be men? Um, that's going to be tough. It's tough out there. Not to say it's not tough if you're a transgender woman, but I feel like most of the time we talk about transgender issues, it's about a man becoming a woman. And I think women all over the place, if you're a woman at all and you identify with your sex, that you've been criminally, quote unquote, assigned at birth, which is ridiculous. Um, you should be offended because now we're basically saying, without saying it, that men are better than women at everything, including being a woman. They can have kids. The CDC has guidelines. The most recent. It's the most recent. These are scientists. These are the top, the top of the top. Cream of the crop, right? You wonder why there's hesitancy with the vaccine or with advice given to you by the CDC. Look no further than the official guidelines, most recent guidelines for pregnant people and getting the vaccine. They will they will not say pregnant women, which leads you to believe that men can get pregnant. And, then, and, and, and that's just like accepted. That's the truth. There are... Um, medical sites, medical journals, all kinds of things dealing with biology and facts that say that, well, saying a pregnant woman is not inclusive enough. Men can get pregnant. Really, show me a biological male. Show me a guy who has a penis and balls. How is he going to get pregnant? How's that going to happen? How's, he, how's that going to work out? And even if you were to do all the surgeries to replace every single organ necessary with a woman's body, A, would that person even survive all those surgeries? B, could a baby survive full term? C, what's the, outcome, what's the outlook for that baby? I, I would say all those things combined, you don't have really a chance. So I think we're, we're going about this, what I would believe is a mental health issue, all wrong. The worst thing you can do to somebody who has a mental health issue, ranging from very small, uh, I wouldn't say acute things, but just lower priority things, um, all the way up to schizophrenia or things that you would assume with being institutionalized, the worst thing you can do is just reaffirm what they think. They have a psychological problem. And the reason you know it's a psychological problem is because, it's because it does not match reality. But for some reason, with gender dysphoria and people who believe they're not what they were born as, we're supposed to treat them as if they're right and uh, we should reaffirm what kind of jacked up reality they have in their head. And 
it makes me angry as a man. It should make women even more angry. But it makes me angry just as a, as a human being, as a person, uh, as, a, as a person with a soul, that governments, large entities, um, it's, gonna, it's so mainstream now just to be like, oh, okay, well, I have to call them they now, or uh, they're not what they look like. They're not a man, even though they have a beard, they look like a dude, they're six foot two. That's, his name is Chelsea now. You have to call that woman Chelsea. Um, I just don't understand why sex can be flipped around like that. And so there's an article I want to read, and it kind of gets back to my point about uh, being assigned a sex at birth. And it's from, uh, it's a website called healthline.com, which you'd think would be pretty knowledgeable in all things related to health and such. I mean, they have tabs for health conditions, for infertility, um, planning around certain uh, disorders, all kinds of stuff. So they have an article here that was posted. It doesn't say when it was posted, not like most people. Um, oh, no, it does. It says right here. And it was also medically reviewed by this person. Very nice. Written, written by Casey Clements on December 20th, 2018. So a little bit ago. It says, can men get pregnant? First big bold point is, is it possible? What do you think? If this was, if this was who wants to be a millionaire and uh, old Regis, RIP, was asking you, is it possible for men to be pregnant? And it's four boxes. One, th three of them say yes. One say no. Which one do you choose? This is to move on. You have all your help lines. You can ask a friend. Pull the crowd. What do you think? It's yes. You're wrong if you chose no. That's why there's three of them trying to help you out. Yes, it's possible for men to become pregnant and give birth to children of their own. Um, yet they don't give you an example because where, what is that? I think what, what when they usually say that, when I say they, I mean, I usually just mean the left, but I, but I mean people who, who really buy into this this extreme version of gender theory is that it's a woman who has decided that she is now a man and then gets pregnant. But I'm, but I'm like, how, how is that a man getting pregnant and giving birth to children of their own? But I'll continue reading. It says, in fact, it's probably a lot more common than you might think. Oh, okay. Wow, that's crazy. It's happening all around me. Uh, in order to explain, which seems kind of insane that you would have to explain it, where I, under, I understand pregnancy, and I, and I I sort of understand what happens when you give birth to a child. The only thing I don't understand is how men can do it. So I guess they do they do need to explain a little bit. So they said, we'll need to break down some common misconceptions about how we understand the term man. See, I, I predicted it. Well, I also read the article already, but um, I said it even before they did. Uh, like most people would probably think too. Well, what do you mean by man? Because you can't be meaning what I mean. And that's exactly what it is. Not all people who are assigned male at birth, which has an acronym AMAB, identify as men. And so I can stop there because they're going to go on and say that there are, are people who are assigned female, AFAB, 
identifies men. These folks may be transgender men or trans masculine people. Um, this sounds like the writings of an insane person. Um, but this assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth, when you're assigned a sex at birth, uh, does the doctor have any power over what that is? So if, the, if you came out with boy parts and the doctor was like, nah, I don't feel like it. You're a woman. I'm assigning you female. What, what would that actually do? He would just be wrong, wouldn't he? When he says to the, the mom, oh, it's a beautiful baby, whatever, he's making an observation. Just like when they measure the weight of the baby. They didn't assign the baby to be a weight of 8 pounds, 2 ounces, or whatever. They weighed the baby, read what the instrument said, and told you. Just like they took the baby out of you, looked at it, and then told you what it is. So what, where's the assigning? Who is this? What do you mean assigning? Doctors don't have that kind of power. If they did, then, then there'd be no cancer. There'd be no disease. They just would stop us, like assigning those diagnoses. Like, no, you don't have brain cancer. Uh, I've decided. You're, I'm not assigning you brain cancer. You're completely, I've assigned you the status of healthy. Why is there sickness at all? Why is there coronavirus? Just why, Doctors should just assign people that they're cured. They're perfectly healthy. When they take your temperature and you have a fever, that shouldn't be allowed. Fevers aren't real. I don't identify as having a fever. So I've been assigned, you know, a fever of 101. I think uh, I'm a little under. I, I'm 97.4, actually. I got some room to, to get hotter. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But it's the same principle, same idea. And then they, they have to have a little blurb here describing what transmasculine is. Dear Lord, transmasculine is used to describe an AFAB, which, if you remember, is assigned female at birth, individual who identifies or presents toward the masculine side of the spectrum. But what does masculine mean? If men and women doesn't really matter, people can identify and choose whatever they want to be, what does it really mean to be masculine? This person may identify as a man or any number of other gender identities, which they list a few, but they're literally infinite. Um, if you have a uterus and ovaries, some people who have a uterus and ovaries are not on testosterone and identify as men or as not a, as women may wish to become pregnant. Unless you've taken testosterone, the process of pregnancy is similar to that of a cisgender woman. I wonder why. I wonder why, if you're a woman with ovaries and a uterus, and you one day decide that you're going to be called a man now, but then get pregnant. I'm surprised. It's similar to like that of a cisgender woman. Yeah, no, duh. No, yeah, like, of course it is. Because that's exactly what they are. They're just calling themselves something different, but they're exactly the same. That's like if I went around and calling myself Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but then on my driver's license, it says Alex Tanton. Like, yeah, of course it would still say that because that's who I am. I'm not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What? 
so this website keeps going. Um, again, not giving really any. Uh, right here, all the way down, they buried the lead. I had to scroll for a little bit. If you no longer have or were not born with a uterus, aka a woman who's had a hysterectomy or a man, they say, to our knowledge, there has not yet been a case of pregnancy in a assigned male at birth individual. <laughs> so, so you're telling me that this sentence, to our knowledge, there has not been a case of pregnancy in an assigned male at birth individual, but then the title of your article is, can men get pregnant? And you say it's yet yeah, it's possible. So does that mean, does male mean something different than men? I, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Pregnancy via uterus transplant. Um, they talk about the first one happening in 2014. I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I, I, I would not suggest that. I'm just going to be honest. If you're on the fence, please don't. Um, so the bottom line, with our understanding constantly evolving, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Some things can constantly evolve. Some things cannot. It's important to honor the fact that one's gender does not determine whether they can become pregnant, which would be true if you do believe that gender is a social construct, which I will now segue into examples of what these kinds of people think are social constructs, right? So let's see. What is a social construct? And this is at uh, examples.yourdictionary.com. So could be a bad example. We could we can look at others, but let's think for a second. <clears throat> Simply put, social constructs do not have inherent meaning. Interesting. The only meaning they have is the meaning given to them by people. So if you take away people, if humans went extinct, these things would have no meaning. So here's a list of examples. Let's see if anyone would agree. Adulthood. They're, and, they're, and their proof is that, well, in the U.S., you're an adult at 18. In Scotland, however, people are considered to be adults at the age of 16. My question would be, uh, do they can they do exactly the same things that people in the United States at 18 can do when people in Scotland are 16? I doubt it. Gender behaviors are a social construct. Uh, is that um, is that backed up with any science at all? Like, <laughs> I mean, to test this would be that would be really hard. You'd have to have like uh, a person assigned male at birth and a person assigned female at birth, and then raise them as gender neutral. And that's pretty a new concept. So we haven't really fully realized the disaster that that will be. But it's ridiculous. They go on to say gender roles. That's a pretty that's a layup. But here's where the the real they have so many examples but some of these are if they could just stop there you know keep going to like four you know all right that's fine uh, government the concept of how government should work is a social construct i guess that's true if people were extinct government would have no meaning um i think all words would lose meaning if people were extinct so is everything a social contract that's a very loose uh definition but we'll, we'll go on Greetings. Okay. And then this one's probably my favorite of the rest of them. Maybe. Might be my second. Disability. 
the concept of disability is a social construct. Uh, okay, and their example is people who have less visible disabilities are often misunderstood because their conditions don't fit into the social constructs of others. I guess so. I guess people can have invisible disabilities, but generally disabilities will make themselves known and become apparent visibly to other people. If I had a disability that was in no way testable, and and I even denied it. Do I have a disability? It's just the idea of saying that if I am in a wheelchair or if I have no legs, that calling it a disability is a social construct that has no meaning. You might be a little offended. The idea of a family, so social construct, doesn't really it doesn't matter. Um, because other people have tons of other family structures. Let's see what those are. Types of family structures. And this is family.lovetoknow.com. So obviously you have the, the nuclear family, which is uh, two parents and a child. Okay. Uh, single parent family. Uh, I don't think many people would find that ideal. Extended family consists of two or more adults who are related by either blood or marriage living in the same home. This family includes, this just sounds like, every, like, uh, what's that show called? Um, it goes like, they have themes like, everywhere you, uh, uh, everywhere it's so high, it's so high. You know, well, you know what I'm talking about. There's extended family living there, right? Does that, isn't that just a type of nuclear family? A childless family. <laughs> okay. So if you're two, two people married, living together and have no kids, uh, you have a whole different kind of family. I don't understand. A step family, still nuclear family. It's still two parents raising kids. A grandparent family. These are all still the same. It's two parents, the grandparents, it's parented in the name, raising kids. So uh, swing and a miss there. Swing and a miss. Fashion. Yeah, I get that. That actually makes sense to me. I get that. I don't, I don't understand why they draw a, a distinction between disability and illness. The word illness does not mean the same thing to everyone. Oh, okay. Um, let's see, what, let's see what, how they really follow that up. Some only perceive metal condition, metal, medical conditions as an illness if they would cause a person to be bedridden or contagious while others perceive a wide variety of medical circumstances to represent illnesses. So I would want to find in the modern world, um, modern Western society, and if I told you somebody was diagnosed with AIDS and they had, you have no way of seeing that on their body, but they have it, would you, and you ask anybody, Europe, Australia, you can ask anybody in any in any developed nation, does this person have an illness? Are they sick? They have cancer. Are they sick? Can't see it. I don't notice it. You're not bedridden, right? Not necessarily. Are, are you? Do you have an illness? I think those people would say yes. Just I'm just I'm just I'm just thinking. I don't. I mean I don't know. This is just my opinion. 
More examples are marriage, uh, money. Money is a social contract and means nothing. Religion. All religions are, are meaningless. Um, and then the last one, my favorite, because their definition um, of social constructs is that they only exist because people in a group or society, a society accept that they do. The last example is time. Time. Time itself. So are they think, what, what did they, how, how did time, was there any time at all? Did nothing happen before humans? Pretty sure they did. What about after humans? Let's say in a billion years. All humans are gone. We're extinct. No time. Time just stops then. I don't understand. That's the thing. I think just because no one's there to perceive it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's the same thing with the tree falling in a forest. So uh, I say all that to, I guess, kind of make the point that if you have children and they were cruelly and unjustly assigned female or male at birth, continue to reinforce that assignment. It's better for them in the long run. It's better for them in the short run, in the medium run, in all, all kinds of runs. Because there's an enormous amount of statistics that point to the fact that if you, um, and I'm going to say, I'm going to use this word, suffer from gender dysphoria, that their life is going to be immeasurably more difficult than if you had just treated them as they are. I'm not saying that there aren't cases where, you know, the parents did everything right, but did everything right and their kids still ended up like this and having this disease, but um, they would start so showing signs at some point under your care and watch. So I, I just don't buy that defense in all honesty. You, you really, and, you, and, 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 and people will say that it's, oh, it's a very tough thing, right? If you're six year old or whatever, five-year-old, seven-year-old, nine-year-old comes up to you. He's a, he's a little boy. And he says, Dad, I, you know, I think I'm a girl. Um, your next follow-up, and this is a question, you're not just going to say no, be authoritative and just tell them no. It's not going to help them really. It just ask why. What do you mean by that? How did you, get, how did, how did you reach that conclusion? Most of the time you'll find out it's something uh, very meaningless, and ultimately very stupid. Um, not that I've experienced that personally, but I've heard plenty of stories like that, right? Someone would say that their kid said, well, you know, I saw Spider-Man on TV, so he's gotta be real, right? And if he can jump off buildings, so can I. Um, would you reinforce those ideas to your child? If the answer is no, then why would you reinforce the idea that sex that they have can just change at any moment and be willy-nilly whatever they want which is just wrong it's just it, it's it's wrong and it's abusive to these children and and i feel bad for them ultimately Alrighty, so i think i've i've kind of beaten this, this dead horse and i'll probably continue to beat the dead horse later uh when there's more stuff to talk about 
Um, but there, there's one other thing, and maybe even more, um, as I'm recording, I'll think of something else that I hate, but, you know, driving around Austin, Texas, you know, today, the wedding was yesterday because they have on a, a weekday for some reason. And so we were, we, we, you know, we spent the day just kind of exploring, um, Austin a little bit and we found the, um, cause I, I'm not, I'm not a Catholic, so I'm not going to be like, I know everything about it. But I know that for you to be in charge of a cathedral and not maybe a smaller church, usually they're bishops for their diocese or whatever. And so we went to the one in downtown Austin, this big cathedral was built in 1852, incredibly old cathedral, um, which I've been in some before. And I love it every time um, because I don't care. You, you, you could be an atheist. You could think that God, the idea of God is a delusion and stupid and blah, blah, blah. But you can at least appreciate the art and the beauty and the majesty of just a place like that. Uh, I'm not a Catholic. I don't claim to be. Uh, I don't, and I also don't have anything against Catholics or anything like that. Um, it, it's, it's another religion. So I respect that you believe that and it's totally cool. But what I love about cathedrals is obviously the stained glass. I love how quiet it is. Um, when I when I was there, uh, I, I lit a candle. I don't even fully understand what's what's happening, but I know you say a little prayer and you light a candle. So that's what I did. And uh, you know, I'm, there's a little box I donated some money because I just felt like I should enjoy it. I'm, I'm soaking in all this great stuff that has got to be expensive to maintain. Like so, I should put forth something. But some of these, and I took lots of pictures, but the, the stained glass in this place was just unreal. You know, depicting all kinds of different saints. And in between the pictures, you'd have the Passion of the Christ, the last week of Jesus' life, kind of played out scene by scene, all the way until the end. Each at the end, on each side, it ends with, you know, I think it's Jesus' parents and then his two closest apostles holding the dead body of Jesus. And then that is right before it leads to like the pulpit. And behind that is this enormous picture of, of Jesus in heaven. And I think that tells a pretty, pretty incredible story. But, you know, I would think the same way if I went to a really old, beautiful mosque or a Hindu temple or any religion, you know, I, I just like cool architecture and I think that there is a objective definition of beauty. Um, maybe we don't all have the same level. Like not everyone's going to sit there and look at the stained glass and be blown away like I was. But you can at least acknowledge the fact that these things took a lot of work. Some of these stained glass things were in memory of people that died in like the late 1860s. So they've been there for a long, long time. So we could at least appreciate that, right? Um, I just, I just think that you know, Catholics are easy targets because they're one of the biggest religions in the world. Um, I say religion, but they're the biggest uh, sect of Christianity in the world. You know, there's over a billion believers, right? And 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 I've watched a video explaining how if you just wanted to become Go from a regular person to becoming a, the Pope. 
that the process is so complicated and so hard to get through that they, I think they made it that way so that the only real explanation is for you becoming a Pope has to be by God because there's so many hurdles, so many people involved that it can't be random chance that you became the Pope because the random chance is so astronomically small that for you to become the Pope um, is not a coincidence. At least that's what I believe. Um, so yeah, this is my podcast in the hotel room. I don't have a mic. I'm just using the mic that's built into my MacBook Pro. That's uh, a sort of flex. Um, and I'm here while my wife is out hanging out with her extended family that she, she hasn't seen in a long time and that I don't know any of them. So she let me stay here, which was pretty cool. Um, cause I was willing to go, I, you know, I, after walking around in Austin, it was kind of hot sometimes, but it felt generally pretty good, but we did a lot of walking. So I like changed and I was ready to go. But then once I heard that, uh, her stepdad wasn't going and that's who I've been hanging out with and talking to the most, I was like, well, now I don't, I don't have anyone to talk to cause Brittany is my wife's name and her mom are going to you know, hang out with all of the ladies and then I'm going to hang out with a bunch of dudes I don't know and will never see again, most likely. So, I mean, that's, you know, and I'm also pretty introverted and, and uh, I've gotten a lot better, but I do struggle with like social anxiety and what to say and how to fit in. And uh, a lot of these people are actually older than I am. Um, and like I said, I'll never see them again. So I struggle with with that, you know, like, what is the point of us sharing stories, getting to know each other, um, maybe maybe just laughing and then leaving, I don't know. I just felt like my time could be better used, just relaxing, uh, it's Saturday night. Um, I can make, make a podcast real quick, make it long, I don't care. Um, I would say that Austin, of all the cities that I visited in Texas, which is one, it's Austin. I'd say Austin is the best. And, uh, and that's with, uh, all of them in mind, which is one it's Austin. Uh, I just, I like the geography and I guess the topography of how Austin is set up is kind of surprising when you, when you think of Texas and, uh, you're not really from this part of the country, you think of it as a very flat at least, but over here it's very hilly. Um, roads cut into hills and you see all the different layers of sediment and the rock and stuff. It's very, very interesting. The buildings are, are because uh, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a rule that no building can be higher than the, the tallest church steeple. And that's been in effect for a long time. Tradition is important to people in the South. So you don't really get to see tall buildings all that much. Well, in, our, in Charleston, you never do, but uh, you only really see them when you travel, maybe to Charlotte or, or somewhere else, you know, Atlanta, something like that. But here in Austin, there are tons of cool buildings, lots of cool art. There's so much to do. Um, if, if, if I were to come back, I, I'd, it'd have to be for more than a weekend um, because there's just so many things to see, so many things to do. Um, we went to the Capitol building, which was cool. Um, very interesting. It was just, it's just overall a pretty cool city to visit. So like I said, you know, my laundry list of uh, Texas cities that I've been to is enormous uh, with a size of one. And uh, this one is the best of all of the one. 
Um, but even if I were to consider other cities I've been to, I, I like Austin a lot. Um, there's just something, just a vibe about it, a feeling. There's so many different kinds of people here, but everyone just seems to just chill and get along. Like, I feel like when I visited um, Chicago or, or DC or, or even places like Charlotte, um, and then and then even Charleston too. I mean, you can't really walk a block or a hundred feet without seeing some sort of political thing or, or something going on. It just feels like everyone's getting along well here, and um, and also I, people drive very aggressively. Not not everybody, but the people you think would they do, but we never we've never seen an act i've never seen an accident and i've only been here you know day or two but you know a wreck on the side of the road something like that not once i never never saw anything um so that was pretty cool uh but one thing i i i did hate seeing i did see a lot of just today a lot of cool expensive cars which you know started off with i saw ferrari and then um sort of just your run-of-the-mill bentley and then this really, really nice looking G-Wagon Mercedes. Uh, another black Ferrari that I at first, from a distance, I thought was a, a Lambo. Uh, but then getting closer, you see the horse on it and everything. It's definitely that, you know, a hard top black Ferrari, which is awesome. Um, and it's just, those all, all those cars are cool and I would love to have one. But then after seeing the black Ferrari, literally as we're driving down the interstate to go back to the hotel, there was a, a Lamborghini truck, which is more of like a crossover SUV. And as a rap aficionado and expert in all things rap, which I might extend the podcast just a little bit longer, talk about some things about, about rap that I want to hit on. But a Lambo truck is something that people talk about in rap very frequently. And I don't understand why, because of all like of all the Lamborghini products, why would you choose that? That's like the ugliest of them all. You know what I mean? But I guess if you have that much money to play with, whatever, do whatever you want, man. So real quick, it's kind of like a final thought. I want to do some more of this in the future, maybe a whole episode. But I've been really getting into like remixes of rap songs, like people who remix it especially when they remix someone's song to diss that person who made it. And I don't think this is one of those cases. Um, and, I, and I want to use this as an example because there's a line in there that I really like and I want to share it with you guys. So if you're not the kind of person who's into rap in general or diss tracks or uh, any of that stuff, uh, too bad. But there's a rapper out there named Joyner Lucas. And I would say he's one of those guys who's pretty legit, right? Lyrically, right? He's not uh, mumbling. He's not talking about just Xanax and Percocets and, and lean or whatever. He's actually really against a lot of that stuff. He likes being a sober rapper. Um, and he's really good uh, lyrically, I think, very clever. And so there's a song by Jack Harlow, who I think is talented in his own way and pretty good. Um, but he and people like Lil Dicky and, and some other some other white rappers kind of fall in the same vein. They, they're kind of 
they're uh, going down a trail and a path that Weird Al basically already did for them. Not that they're doing um, remixes of songs in sort of a comedic sense, but they're very meme-like. Jack Harlow is a little more serious when he raps, um, but doesn't take himself too seriously. Lil Dicky is is a joke through and through. He doesn't he he recognizes his talent and and, and will point it out to you and, and has that confidence, but. Uh, a lot of people call him a meme rapper, but you know some people have guilty pleasures, right? And and, and Lil Dicky can be some of that for me. Um, like he has a song called "Let Me Freak," and it's basically just him at a bar begging a lady a lady to let him freak. So like that that kind of wraps him up. But I'm getting off the subject. Jack Harlow has his biggest song ever, without a doubt. is It's called "What's Poppin'," right? Very stupid title. I feel cringy even saying that to people who don't like rap or don't know what rap is, or maybe who people who just like jazz or really only like Beethoven. Um, they're like, what's popping? I don't know what they can mean. I, I don't know. He could have picked a better title, but the song is, is pretty good. So I would recommend it in terms of, you know, just I really enjoy rap songs that have meaning and, and or are clever about what they're rapping about. And it could be about something very deck decadent very stupid um i don't even know if decadent is the right word i'm thinking of the word that you would use to describe something that is decaying you know something like that so let me get back so joiner lucas takes uh the beat for what's popping and he makes his own version called what's gucci and uh it's the same beat so the only thing that's different is the lyrics and some of the lyrics in here are so I would. I mean, they're so they're pretty clever. They're really clever. I really like it. Um, so it, it says on here. It says, "Don't play with me. I'm a family man." Oh no! I, I skipped a line. It says, "All of my moves are carefully planned." Don't play with me. I'm a family man. <laughs> I put your b word. I don't like to curse on the on the podcast. You know me, nice Christian man. Uh, put your B on my family plan. My mansion looks like fantasy land. I bought a beach with some Canada sand. <laughs> and then uh, all of my moves are carefully planned. I'm two steps ahead like Nigerian scams. And I think that right there, that line right there is pretty, pretty insane. Because uh, if you haven't been attempted, at least attempted to be scammed, by Nigerian princes, which, I mean, Gmail does a pretty good job of filtering out that kind of stuff. Um, but if you were to go and look up, you know, exactly what that means, which you can Google it and get some information from other people who know better. Uh, the, the general consensus, it says it's a common stereotype of Nigerians is that they will scam you into multi-marketing schemes as well as two-step verifications that often trick people as well. So it's two steps ahead, like a Nigerian scam. So that's great. Pretty cool. But my favorite part is uh is this one it says i'm about to turn into a psycho you about to see my true colors like michael and, and you're thinking you know true colors like michael michael what kind of michael could be talking about here and then it kind of occurs to you that he's talking about michael jackson and i'm not sure what the disease is called i should probably look it up just out of respect um but it's he, he's saying, um, show my true colors. 
like uh, Michael because you know when Michael was younger he was black and then he got older. How do you even pronounce this word? Um, it's like vitiglio. Is that how you say it? Um, let me let me research how to pronounce this word in one second. Okay, so it's vitiligo. I'm uh, I'm pretty dumb, but uh, quick tip. This is off topic, but quick tip, if you don't know how to pronounce something, Google it, then go to Google Translate, select English, copy, or I guess paste your word in there, and then just hit the speaker button. Google will speak it to you so you know how to say it. Boom. You about to see my true colors like Michael. So I thought that was really uh, clever, you know, because I don't know if he's dissing Michael the same way, saying he's going from black to white. I don't I don't want to think that deep into it. I think he's just saying he changed colors. Um... But this this song has a lot of other um, a lot of other lines that are very very clever. Like uh, this next one I'm about to read, and 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 if if you're not enjoying this, I apologize. I just like talking about these kind of songs because just the wordplay is really good. So I'm gonna ask some friends uh, over the next couple of days to see if they have any cool, not just rap songs but songs in general that have uh, good wordplay. And maybe I'll I'll throw one in there uh, from Lincoln Park. That, uh, that I've been listening to a lot of, and the chorus part of that really, really speaks to me. But right now, I just want to talk about this song. And it says um, here, uh, <laughs> I'm about to, I'm, I'm about to F this crap up like a typo. You don't, you do not know me. No, we ain't related. We ain't got mutual friends that I might know. I don't want to be acquainted regardless. <laughs> Every B I ever been with told me I'm heartless. I don't trust a single MF or I'm cautious. I can never win. They want me up in a coffin. Way before I even started winning, I had a couple of losses. I had to make a living out of my mother's apartment. So he talks about, you know, his his down days where he was, it says, uh, wasn't too much opportunity to come up in Boston. I was effing exhausted. I was done with the talk and I was working odd jobs, had me stuck in the office. On God, I was outside running and walking nonstop on a dark block, ducking and dodging all cops till they all stopped bucking and sparking all glocks till my heart stops working at 10 breaths. It's, it, it, it just, it all goes together and the way he delivers it is so insane. Yeah, like this one. It says, I, I built a label, then up the advance. Please don't care, compare me to none of these scrams. I'm building my brand. You stuck in the ground. I took advantage and stuck to the plan. And then he goes in the chorus and, and it says, uh, he told people, you don't like me, shoot me. If you don't want to fight me, sue me. Guaranteed, in words, won't like the new me. This feel like a Spike Lee movie was Gucci. So it may be lame for, you know, uh, why is a cloud man like me to listen to music like this and then repeat it back and talk about why I like it and what's interesting about it. Um, it's just easy to flow off of, um, honestly. And it's not for the, uh, if, you, if you really hate curse words, if you're one of them people, um, you know, maybe don't listen to this kind of stuff. Which is fine, you know. You do you. Um, but there's a there's a song from on, on a different genre from Lincoln Park 
um, that's called I'm breaking the habit. I think it's what's called, or no, it's just called breaking the habit. And it can mean a lot of things, and that's why I like this. It's uh, it can be kind of interpreted by the listener, and so there's and the chorus kind of will change sometimes. The, the last chorus is different than the first two choruses, but the chorus goes like this: I don't know what's worth fighting for or why I have to scream. I don't know why I instigate and say what I don't mean. I don't know how I got this way. I'll never be all right. So I'm breaking the habit. I'm breaking the habit tonight. And what speaks to me about this is that, you know, as you get older, you start to realize there are just things about your personality or your character or just who you are as a individual that you can't change that will just be there, uh, either good or bad. Um, you know, I like to think I have a pretty good sense of humor. I'm hoping that'll always be there, but there are also parts of me that I don't like. Um, being introverted, social anxiety, stuff like that. Um, but it says, I don't know how I got this way. I, I don't. I was born this way. It's just how it is. Um, and then even the beginning parts, you know, I don't know what's worth fighting for, right? Because it's when, you, when you're fighting with your spouse and you're fighting with anyone, you're fighting with yourself, you don't really know what's worth it or not. You're just fighting. Or why do I have to scream, you know? And you could replace scream with why do I have to insult? Why do I have to put down disrespect? Why do I have to do that? I don't know why I instigate and say what I don't mean. Like, clearly he's out of control when he's having arguments. And then it says, I don't know how I got this way. And then it says, well, this is my favorite part, I'll never be all right. And uh, I know that's kind of depressing, uh, but it's the next two lines that make it not so depressing when it says I'm breaking the habit. So... There's, so I relate this to like addiction. Right? I'll never be all right. I'm, I'm afflicted with this disease of addiction that I can never get rid of, right? It's not something that you can, there's a test for, right? There's no blood test. And they're like, oh, it's in your blood. And here, take this pill. And now you're, you'll be good. It's just something that you're, you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. But you may not be able to control it. You don't know how you got this way. And, and all the things he said before. But you, you can start tonight by breaking that habit. You can start right now. Um, and then the last chorus is different. He says the same thing. He says, I don't know what's worth fighting for or why I have to scream. But now I have some clarity to show you what I mean. I don't know how I got this way. I'll never be all right. So I'm breaking the habit. But it's like, now I have some clarity. I can show you what I mean. And, um, and, and, it's, and this is on genius. This is someone's take and it has, it's, I think it's pretty well accepted that at this point of the song, which is the very end, it says the protagonist of the song has given up finding out the answers to any of the questions he might've had. The only way they'll be able to break such a habit is to die. The lines I'll paint it on the walls and I'll never fight again might have pre-configured this tragic outcome. So that is one take. And that's what I love about the song is that you can have two completely different um, interpretations of a song. Uh, clarity of what I mean. Yeah, I guess you could look at it as like he's suicidal, but I'm going to break the habit of all this by dying. But I like to look at it a little bit more of a positive way. And I hope most people who are listening do too, because it, it, 
it can really be kind of an uplifting song if you want it to be. But it, it, when you hear, listen to it, and I, and I do encourage people to listen to it, uh, it, it does sound depressing. But I, I would like to, if I could talk to Chester, I would love to ask him what, you know, which I'm, you know, I do think he wrote this. Let me see who wrote this. So yeah, it was the whole band, but Mike Shinoda is the, the rapper guy I was talking about before, but Chester Bennington is the lead singer. And I would love to know what their, what their mindset was, what they were going for, uh, for this song. Um, because I like to, it does say on here that Mike Shinoda wrote the track inspired by his friend's drug addiction. And that's crazy that I, you know, I kind of draw the same conclusion. And then it says Chester was unable to perform this live because it made him too emotional because he, he could relate to it so much, which I mean, just endears me even more to him as a person. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't want to end like, like with any podcast, I don't want to end the podcast on something that's kind of a downer, even though I, I, I was trying with that one not to make it a downer. Um, and, and, then, and then the rap review is kind of like a spur of the moment off the dome. Just a song that I, I liked by Joyner. And I like Joyner as an artist in general. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna end the the podcast with something uplifting. And uh, what I want to talk about is it's about football, but it's bigger than football. Obviously, it's gonna be uplifting. I don't want to just be like, oh, this team won. So that would be kind of not uplifting to people who are not fans. But I think it was last week uh, when the Packers played. No, Detroit. They played Detroit on Monday. And uh, they have a running back, Green Bay. Called, his name is uh, Aaron Jones. And he scored like a bajillion touchdowns. And um, they did a post-game interview. And they're asking about his father, who had just recently passed away. And so he was doing it for this team. And... Uh, he was talking about this necklace that he has that he wears when he plays he wears it all the time and it's a, it's a green bay necklace and in the middle is a football but in the football is this little vial of some of his father's ashes which i'm like that's that's pretty that's a pretty dope necklace that i'm not gonna lie that's pretty cool to carry around a little bit of your father everywhere you go even when you're playing and, and you know which apparently his dad was a big Green Bay fan, and uh, but apparently he said during one of his touchdowns, he it fell off in the end zone. He lost it. He said the the uh, field crew was searching for it and they they'd get it, but um, still I would be a little nervous, you know. But uh, the the reason why I chose this as uplifting news is because they ended up finding it. Uh, and it says, a reporter still at work in the very empty Lambeau field noticed that at 1.45 a.m. on Tuesday morning, one of the first team trainers, Brian Engel, was still on the field searching for the necklace. So Aaron Jones had a great game. Uh, his dad, who um, was always in the stands when he played, he died earlier this year from complications with COVID. Uh, and and I, I like this quote from Jones. It says, uh, he, he'd be happy. He'd be like, if you lose it anywhere, lose it in the end zone, which is what he did. And so that was really cool. Um, and he said the, pen, the pendant was black, which likely didn't help it 
being spotted easily, but nevertheless, Mr. Ingle ended up finding the football equivalent of a needle in a haystack. Uh, it says, it's almost 2 a.m. and someone um, just came back out to look for the necklace holding his father, Aaron Jones's father's ashes that he lost on a second touchdown catch in that part of the end zone. And then Jones expressed his gratitude the next day. Um, he says, thank you to him. Shows how much they care about us. Yeah, he's been helping me out a lot since my dad passed. So he's he's been in for me. Our support staff here is great. I really care about the people. They really care about the people. And I, um, I just, I don't know. That story just feels good, you know? Not only for him to score like that when his dad died earlier in the year, but then somebody on their team was out there at 2 a.m. the next day right, 2 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, looking for it. I mean, it's a whole football field. And he's looking for this, you know, seemingly kind of small necklace. But he ends up find, finding finding it and then giving it back to Aaron Jones, which which is awesome, which is really, really cool. When I Because I was watching that game and I, and I watched the post-game interview live. I was like, oh, man, that's going to be – that's going to suck if he can't find it or something – somebody takes it or something like that. Because you know there are people out there who would do stupid crap like that, which is uh, a whole other thing. But um, it's it's cool that somebody cares that much about somebody else. Right? It's not his dad, right? It's not his – I mean, this is a, a multi-million dollar or multi-millionaire football player. He can find it himself. You can have the attitude and be bitter and upset about it. This guy wasn't. He was selfless. He wasn't thinking about himself. Obviously, it's 2 a.m. And he's probably on his hands and knees searching the grass for this necklace. So shout out to uh, to this guy. I, let, me, let me go back to the article and, look, and say his name again. Yeah, Brian Engel. So shout out to you, man. Like, that's, uh, that's something else. That's really cool. And so, yeah, like on that note, um, I'm out here in Austin. I'm chilling living life going home tomorrow praise god and uh so i hope you i hope you enjoy this one i hope it doesn't sound too terrible on the mac microphone I try to do some stuff you know in post edit it down so it's a little bit better and uh, as my outro song i'll use um some of that joiner lucas song so you can kind of get an idea of what i was talking about and again if you've got weak ears you know you, you can't handle curse words um, then you can go ahead and turn it off now. Um, but just know that uh, you're a pansy. So uh, my next podcast hopefully will be out pretty soon. I've been really uh, lackadaisical doing it. You know, I could come up with tons of reasons why I'm not. Um, but I don't really have any good ones. I've, I've been relatively busy, but, you know, it's just me making excuses. I, I, I have time to do research and, and, and talk. And even if it's just off the dome, uh, I got time to do that. And, uh, and I really pre- I really appreciate everyone listening. I really like doing this. So even if I had zero listeners, uh, which I might as well, because I think most of my listeners are friends and family. But I appreciate you listening, and uh, I'll catch you guys in the next one. So here is my outro. Uh, it's Joyner Lucas called What's Gucci. What's Gucci? Boston bitch, she bougie. Yeah, you goofy. Told niggas you don't like me, show me. And if you don't wanna fight me, sue me. Guarantee niggas won't like the new me. This feel like a Spike Lee movie. Room full of hoes and I might get choosy. Please excuse me. All of my moves are carefully planned. Don't play with me and my family, man. I put your bitch on my family plan. I'm 
mansion looking like fantasy land. I bought a beach with some Canada sand. All of my moves are carefully planned. I'm too tough for head like Nigerian skin. Now hand me the bands. You in the crib and I'm here with the fans. My bitch got titties like Pamela Ann. And she wanna fuck in the janitor's van. I'm about to turn to a cycle. You about to see my true colors like Michael. I'm about to pick niggas up with a rifle. I never lit niggas up, but I might though. I'm a cool nigga, but I can get spiteful. I'm about to fuck this shit up like a typo. You do not know me, no, we ain't related. And we ain't got mutual friends that I might know. I don't wanna be acquainted regardless. Every bitch I ever been with told me I'm heartless. I don't trust a single motherfucker from cautious. I can never win it, woman, you